Greetings, adventurers, and welcome to the Mike Flares podcast, coming to you today from a treasure hoard under a mountain. My name is Martin, and I am your host, and with me today, as always, is your host, Connor. How are we doing today, Connor? Howdy, folks. How are we all doing? I'm doing well, man. Um, yeah, can't complain. Happy to be back in the podcasting saddle. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a decent week, and yes, the podcast is always a, is always a highlight, because something needs to channel my bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I need to. I have a lot of D D thoughts I need to get off my mind, and my fiance won't listen to me. So uh, here we are. <laughs> she escaped our campaign the first game around. She knows she just has to hear about it by proxy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. She she gets she has to hear me through a door, um, <laughs> it muffled through a door, uh, which is exactly how she likes it. I'll, I'll never forget the day where I got a text message goes going, "We're going for a drive. Do you want to come with?" So Connor has someone to talk to about the broom race. <laughs> <laughs> Like, to be fair, it was a really awesome broom race. <laughs> that was one of the best uh, better sessions we've had this campaign, actually. Yeah, oh, uh, it was surprising because I've never run a race before. And I used kind of modified versions of the, dino- uh, the dinosaur rules from uh, Tomb of Annihilation, which, uh, which is one of the one of the more popular adventures. And a, a lot of the stuff that takes that takes place in and around Port... I think it's called Port Nazaru. Uh, uh, um, yeah, but, Port Nyanzaru. Nyanzaru. There's some really, really cool stuff in that, though. Yeah. Um, like world building wise and how they use dinosaurs as yeah. mounts and beasts of burden and stuff like that really i just cool. really like chult that whole area chult is just a really cool flavor to it it's like sort of yeah, aztec oh, yeah. mesoamerican kind of thing which is really cool yeah uh it, it has it kind of has a bit of a new world vibe as well because port nine's arrow is obviously settled by people from uh the sword coast and stuff like that and they've come south um and then you have like the the local inhabitants are like there are some i think there are some people who are true locals uh but then there's like these albino dwarves that mm. live there and they're they're not at all like other dwarves they're like tribals and they uh they don't have like halls of stone and, <laughs> uh, and 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 they're not forgers or smiths or anything like that uh, and then you also have like um what's it there's oh, i'm blanking oh turtle there's plenty of a turtle yes. uh, and, and i think i think lizard folk and stuff yeah there's well. a lot of lizard folk there that like I, I love lizard folk i think they're an under an under appreciated and underused race um and like they just have a lot of re- like from from a player's perspective particularly like they have a lot of really cool like i love their bite attack i just love i just like, they can regain help with that can't yeah they? i think so yeah you take a chunk yeah. out of someone like i just love the idea of making like either like a, a lizard folk barbarian or like some kind of lizard folk fighter and just oh or no screw that lizard folk monk and you just punch the shit out of someone and every so often you just like, kill them with your face <laughs> <laughs> there's um oh really cool rep- reptile that. more lizard lizard folk monk reptile from mortal Kombat. oh <laughs> oh wow actually that would work really well uh, i was gonna say that there is they have something about how they speak um which it's aliens and alien minds uh it's some little offshoot thing on them just looking at their page now it's something about how they speak and they don't understand or or construct sentences in the same way it, it, it's one of those things it's a bit like the kenku you know kenku obviously cannot speak yeah. they can only mimicry or mimicry mimicry uh and yeah. so you have to kind of do with the whole bumblebee from transformers thing where you yeah piece together other things you've heard which is cool and that's a really interesting roleplay challenge with lizard folk they were thing where like they they wouldn't say let's say oh here we go a lizard folk doesn't think i'm scared instead uh or maybe that's not it it's like they wouldn't say it is cold they would say 
there is a cold on the wind or something like that. And it's, it's the way they would phrase things. I'd, I can't find the, the little snippet here. It's in the Volo's Guide. That almost sounds um, like how Irish phrases stuff. Do you know the way if like if you're saying like, I'm afraid in Irish, it's like I think no, I'm, I, I'd say hungry. It's like, yeah, I'd uh, tell it'd be like uh, in English, it's like I'm hungry, but in Irish, it's like talk or sorry, which literally means like the hunger is upon me. The hunger, yeah, exactly. And it's very similar to how uh, some sentences in Irish are constructed. It's not that I am a thing. It's that there is this thing affecting me almost. It's yeah. I, I can't find the snippet. It's really cool. Look it up. Um, lizard folk are, are brilliant though. Um, they get their bite attack. Oh man! Bite, with with the way they phrase stuff, you can make a really cool like lizard folk bard. Because that just like that that speech pattern just like oh. lends itself to like epic poetry. Who's like who's like a, a what's it called? Uh, that re- I don't want to offend people now. That really terrible form of poetry where people do like open mic nights. And... Oh, like like um uh, oh god, I, I, it's like a poetry it's slam, like, like slam poetry, poetry slam. slam poetry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh I my saw, god, I saw a fella, I slam poetry. Do, do that on uh, on uh, James Corden. There, I was watching a clip from his show, and they're in a, they obviously can't have people in the studio, so he just kind of talks to his other crew members and stuff. And there's one guy that's off to the side. And James kind of asked him about it and kind of insinuated something about Sam Poetry. And your man went full into it <laughs> and actually did a couple of good rhymes. It was kind of interesting. But I, I was still cringing the whole time. Oh. Sam Poetry just, oh, I don't know. Yeah, anytime I think of that, I just think of that scene from, I think it's 22 Jump Street where they go to college. And he goes to like the, there's like a poetry slam open night mic thing. And he like walks up and is like, Slam Poetry, Slam Poetry. And he's like, Jessica, Jessica, she's dead not here dead why are you dead <laughs> like, it's like, oh it's like so cringe and i absolutely oh. adore how jonah hill does it and anytime i hear that that's all it is it's just some dude on the stage going dead dead why are you so dead though <laughs> oh god uh. we've gotten so sidetracked so fast and also i just realized i didn't start the timer so I don't know how long we've just wasted talking absolute crap uh, there. Uh, just, just about six and a half minutes. <laughs> good, good to know. Thank you very much. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Shall we get, get on to talking about what we were supposed to talk about today? Or should, that's, whoa, probably for, that's probably for the best. Shall we have one last bit of bullshittery and do our weekly Naruto check-in? Uh, weekly... Dun, 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 with the Naruto check-in. Um, I haven't watched any episodes since last week. <laughs> <laughs> dun, 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 weekly Naruto check-in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool. We should probably actually, like, get off our bullshit and, and actually talk yeah. about what we were talking about. Which, if in case you might have gotten a clue from our intro today, is Dragons, the second D in D&D. It's all about that D. Nope. I, <laughs> I don't know why I said it. I, 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 saw, I saw that coming and in my head I was like, just stop. Just stop it now. Stop it now before you, you can't pull the words back in. <laughs> I'm giddy and I don't know why. Um, yes, dragons. <laughs> not the other D, the dragons D. Yeah, nope, not, that not... sounds wrong again. Um... <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, actually, that was a... <clears throat> I could be wrong. That was, wasn't that a thing in uh, in season or campaign one of Critical Role where for a very, very long period of time they chopped off a dragon's penis and kept it in the bag of holding? I'm, I, I'm sad enough of a Critical Role fan to know this, but it was in fact a troll dick. Oh, 
My, my apologies. I'm so sorry oh for uh, misconstruing the situation there. No, I just um, I used to just I used to in a previous job I used to just put Critical Role on my other screen while I worked yeah, yeah. and just do eight hour shifts listening to Critical Role and it kept me sane. So I that mm. first I rewatched so many episodes of that first campaign. Yeah, I should go back and just dabble. I, every now and again, I go back and I watch little bits from things here and there. There's some uh, some kind of smaller arcs that I kind of forgot. I always um, enjoy watching like the boss fights. I'll go back and watch the boss fight because it's probably just mm. one episode and like you can just skip through to the bits where you want to actually see the boss fight. Like I love. There was some good stuff when uh, when they did this uh, the Slayer's Take um, yeah. arc where they split into two groups and uh, there was a Rakshasa and a White Dragon. I want to say yes, um, yes, there was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, which was really, really cool. And then you had like a couple of guests come in and they were brilliant. Yeah, Will Wheaton, um, Will Friedel, um, I think you had Felicia Day as well at one point. Um, yes. And her, she Mary plays Elizabeth. Zara. Um, Mary Elizabeth. I'm not going to remember this, yeah. so I apologize. Uh, but yeah, no, they were they were really great characters and some of them recurring, which was fantastic. Yes. Um, and that gave, like the rock, yeah. that Rakshasa became such a good recurring villain. Yeah, they actually, didn't they... They killed him there, and then there's a thing about rock shocks where if you kill the, or I think it's just uh, maybe devils, if you kill them in the material plane, they reform or, or yeah. reemerge on the devils, yeah. in hell, and then they so they killed him in the mission, and then he came back later to try and kill Vax for killing him, yeah, and then got killed again, I believe, and then they actually had to go to hell and finish him, and off they, they killed him there then, yeah, in hell, yeah, yeah, that was an there's awesome an, episode uh, actually, oh yeah, campaign one feels man, oh, oh yeah. Great stuff, really, yeah. really great stuff. Um, yeah, dragons. And do you know what they did? Do you know what they did in campaign one? They fought a lot of dragons. They did. They, 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 the end series of bosses of that of that um, campaign were the Chroma Conclave. Uh, yep. For for ancient evil chromatic dragons. So Connor, yeah, it was you... actually five. Oh, because they killed the other one. Yes. They killed a, I believe, a blue. Yes. If you watch some of the semi-animated backstory things from uh, pre-stream stuff. Yeah. They killed uh, with the blue dragon there, and then there was this thing which I thought was really, really cool, where there was these four orbs set into the ice on top of this mountain or something. Um, and each one had a different colored eye in it. Well, after they killed they killed it, you watch these four eyes appear. And then they realized that, oh, he's been, this other dragon's been compromised. Yeah. Sever the connection. And you watch all four of the orbs shatter. Um, and and it's it was such a good, uh, like, I don't know, seed to kind of plant for a huge arc later on i really really love that yeah. I, lo I love i love planting planting the seeds of something that's not that's not going to happen for probably months but then it's really really satisfying i think as a player and as a dungeon master when players go you go and you see that there's this blue gem and then you go oh my god we found a bunch of broken blue gems that time you were in that cave and then it becomes a it's a whole oh, moment which yeah. is really really good yeah <laughs> Yeah, I've uh, I've something that there's there's something from the very first mission my players did that is going to be relevant to the very end of the game, and Ooh. it's like it literally I, it was something I put in there and I was like, I'm gonna put this in there and I'm literally not gonna think about this for like a year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and lo and behold, about not necessarily a year, but probably about two after I'm I'm back there and I've like written it in now as well and like written it out and how it's gonna be and I'm like. Oh, the day, the day they realize is going to be so great. Yeah, it's a, oh, it's payoff. Payoff yeah. is important and payoff, payoff is, is, I think, both gratifying for the players and the Dungeon Master. Indeed. So, Connor, do you have a favorite dragon? 
That is a very tough question. Um, as in a favorite dragon I've ran, or just as in one of the types of dragons? Uh, I suppose if you've like a particular favorite dragon that you've ran, or from fiction, um, by all means, shout it out. But I suppose I was specifically oh, meaning okay. like out of the kinds of dragons in D and D, which 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 is your favorite? Like if you were to pick one of those, uh, I'd have to say um, Viserion, the Forgotten of the Triplets. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, not really. <laughs> um, no favorite dragon. Um, I mean, I'm always a big fan of. I mean, every, everyone's gonna say Smaug is like in like one of the most iconic dragons. Smaug is the reason we have dragons in D and D. Yeah. Um, that 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 was the. It, it was as with most most fantasy. Um, that is the the Tolkien the Tolkien esque foundation of Dungeons and Dragons. He is a dragon in a dungeon under the mountain. Mm-hmm. It enter Gary Gygax. And then whatever, 40, 50 years worth of Dungeons and Dragons occurs. Um, so yeah, I mean, that, that's got to be definitely one of them. I am a big fan of uh, dragons, how they appear in Game of Thrones as well. Um, they're obviously very different because obviously Smaug is like an intelligent, he's almost like a person. You know, he, He's yeah. an intelligent being. He's not a, a beast, whereas they're more like beasts in um, in uh, Dungeons and Dragons or in, sorry, in uh in uh, Game of Thrones, and I feel like there is, there's, I think that's, there's positives and negatives to both. Yeah. Um, like the idea of like, um, uh, oh, I'm never going to find this show, and I also get what it's called. There was a show that used to appear on TV about these dragon racers. Um, I think I know it though. It was like a weirdly animated one that was on like Sky One. It was. Uh, oh yeah, and like the guy had like a dragon, and then he would like transform it, and it would be like a black dragon now, and he had like, would... black armor. Uh, is this it? Oh, it was just. Oh, it's called Dragon Booster. Was the name of the show? Oh my god! Yeah, I used to watch uh, that. It was. One it was a uh, Jetix, Toon Disney, and more apparently. Um, yeah, he had a black and gold dragon, um, and it was a, a sought after dragon. And dragons, they were sentient in the same way that like. Yeah. Pegasus and Hercules is sentient. Yeah. Uh, or or some, or they have a really I distinct and cool dragon design in that as well. They're not like your standard Western dragons. They're they're almost more like um, so they more like, they're almost more like horses or something nearly. Yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. Because they were they were racers, but there were some of them that were a bit more big and kind yeah. of brutish, and they were like, uh, and there were some that were more nimble and stuff. And they had this really cool thing where um. Which was really cool, actually. Okay, so basically, this they would race the dragons. That was the primary use of dragons in the world. Um, in hindsight, like what a waste of dragons! <laughs> I was just gonna say because here's the thing: on the one hand, making making dragons uh, a a beast rather than a, a sentient being, mm. um, having them be this kind of lot more like low intelligence creature, and um, there's a lot of stuff you can do. You can have dragon rider. Um, dragon rider kind of mounts that protect cities you can have dragon rider dragon races like you see in the show there um you can have a lot of cool stuff like that where they're more like beasts of burden or they're domesticated but i think that's not really what they're, they're they would follow more under like wyverns and drakes yeah in my opinion they're not they're less they're not Actually, so much true dragons that's exactly what the dragons in that show look like they look like the, the various like guard drakes and stuff Actually, don't almost exactly like guard drakes yeah uh, and they're like they're dr- dragons obviously but they're like lesser dragons mm. Um, they had this really cool part of the lore in this show where all dragons were like had like magnetic fields around them. Um, so when they wanted to thing. armor up mid race, like some of them would have boosters and some of them would have armor plating. Depending on the race you're doing, you might take different gear with you. 
and in order to attach it to the dragon you wouldn't strap it on like a like a saddle you would uh the dragon would kind of use this uh, magnetic field and this chunk of armor would just latch onto their chest or these rocket boosters would latch onto their sides uh and i don't even know how you would begin to use that in D&D, <laughs> but i like the i love the idea of dragons being magnetic <laughs> yeah that'd be pretty sick oh like get a guard drake and just like uh be be a um a graviturgist and just like ride around on its back <laughs> oh yeah or like have a have like a drake like a guard drake that's like i know drakes don't always have like uh they have the chromatic ones what if you had like metallic guard mm. drakes and one of them was like an iron drake and its special ability is that it can all creatures within Ooh. 20 feet that are holding metal objects must make a strength save or their metal object they're holding gets pulled towards the drake you could probably do that with a battlesmith uh oh yeah probably actually you need something that could pull magnets. Oh yeah, that's that's easy. Just to stick magnets to your thing. <laughs> just yeah, just <laughs> your fridge, fridge magnets is all over. Ah <laughs> uh, yeah, of course. Like, <laughs> no, but like you could just make like you could make it like a magnetic field generator. That, that's like so D and D like kind of like that like uh artificer like cobbling together mad shit. Kind yeah, of like. it doesn't have to make sense scientifically. It's like it's magic. Yeah, just we'll, we'll roll with it. Exactly. But yeah. So there's a, there's a lot of different places that dragons are represented in a lot of different ways. Like I said, they're kind of like companions and beasts and that they're these basically they're sort of companions game of thrones but also their weapons of mass destruction like yes if you have dragons you'll win any open infantry battle or even siege because you know harren hall was like famously yeah. scored they built to be the most impregnable impregnable fortress but then they didn't account for the fact that you may have high walls and thick walls and towers and all this other stuff a dragon can fly over all of those in a rain fire down on you which is what happened which is why yeah. Hall is blackened and melted yeah it um, melted the stone literally so yeah good, good luck yeah. with that <laughs> but that's uh that's really cool but i think in dnd they we're definitely looking at more of the smog style yeah dragons. i think it's probably because i know in uh song and fire in game of thrones uh, dragons are creatures of magic, but I think the dragons in D and D are inherently more magical. Like they are full. A lot, of, aside from like maybe white dragons, because they're more of your like primitive bestial hunters looking to they 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 go out looking to like fight the strongest prey in their area and kill it and take it back. Um, yeah, yeah. But like especially the likes of your like green dragons, they like more trickster type. I always imagine green dragons as like what if Loki shape shifted into a dragon. I think if I had to pick off the chromatics i think maybe a green is maybe my favorite they're pretty cool. i go back i go back and forth but i like greens because they're the smart ones mm. and also because uh we talked about uh critical role uh raishan yeah right raishan who was the green dragon as part of the chrome can't live was a really fantastic villain because she wasn't like there was times she was willing to work with the party when they when her goals aligned with theirs and stuff um and then it was this kind of tense moment when they killed Thordak, and it was like, "All right, now does the alliance hold up or what?" Yeah. And then you know, so that that was really really cool. Uh, and I think um, there's something also just kind of there's something I don't know. Is it kind of there's kind of a charm to the idea of it's a green? It's you know, you think I think something you think lizards, you think green. Yeah. So green dragon. There's something so baseline about that, but that's kind of charming. That's mm. a big green dragon with scales and um, and they're kind of plotting and deceiving and they they would i don't know polymorph into a human and then trick people into doing this other thing and yeah. you know i i, lo- I love the because again it's it's all well and good being like a white dragon or something like that and you know barreling into a town breaking down houses breathing ice everywhere but there's something to be said for being able to do that as a green dragon or also being able to do the more 
methodical surgical style dismantling of a kingdom or something like that yeah yeah um I had a thought there and it just entirely left my head. Sorry, I went on a bit of a ramble there about Dragon no, Coaster. No, <laughs> yeah, that, no, I, I, look, I'm always a fan of a bit of nostalgia and reminded me of like waking up at like 7am to watch Sky 1 before they went to karate in the mornings. That was sure, good times. Yeah. <laughs> was, uh, there was Dragon Booster and there was Zoids. <laughs> I fucking loved Zoids, man. I fucking Zoids was amazing. <laughs> I, I, I actually bought one of those ridiculous, you know, the like Japanese crazy model kits. Oh yeah, I bought a Zoids one there, and it's like sitting over in the corner of my room. There, like three quarters away, finished just inside a box. I will get to it someday. <laughs> Which Zoid is it? Uh, I couldn't get so like the the one I wanted was the Blade Liger, the like main yeah. one from the second series. But like those are like fucking like two hundred and fifty quid for a set. <sighs> so I was like, no, I'm good. So what I got instead was, do you remember there was a follow up series that had a white Liger that could like put on all these different armors. It was called like Zoid's new, new Century, I think it was, and it was like a white. It lighter. sounds familiar, but I don't. I don't. I, did, I only really watched the original Zoids. Yeah, I don't really I, watch any of so. There was a follow-up one. It was pretty cool because they they could armor the thing in different things, and one was like he was just covered in swords. One was like he was super super fast, um, and then there was another one where he couldn't really move all that well, but was a literal tank and covered in missiles. Right. Okay. Um, and That's it was cool. yeah, I think it was like Panzer Schneider and Jaeger were the three modes that he could go into and like he would literally like Iron Man style walk the sword into a thing and all these arms would come out and like take pieces off and put pieces yeah, on yeah. it was really cool um, but anyway dragons <laughs> <laughs> Which this, is, this is the least focused uh, yeah. opening to a podcast that we've had yeah. ever maybe I'd, so like I, I suppose if I had to pick a favourite one particularly out of chromatics I think I'd actually go for a black dragon just purely because of how absolutely horrifying they are they are pretty, yeah. I mean, like I think, I think all the chromatics have like merit for one reason or another. Um, oh, red yeah, totally. just because they're the top dogs, and they're blue. red is the highest CR as well out of out of all of them, isn't it? Yeah, it goes red, blue, green, black, white. Cool. Um, so reds because yeah, they're the top dogs. Uh, blues, I guess I kind of like I, I like anything storm and yeah. lightning and thunder themed anyway, so that's pretty cool. Uh, I think they're all their their like... layers are really cool as well. They like they use their breath to make like uh to, to like uh, electrify sand and turn it into like jagged crystals and make their nest in around that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that that's and greens because they're kind of smart. Black dragons again because they're black dragons aren't they like the most sadistic ones or something like that. Uh, yeah, they want you will toy with their food and they'll torture and. Yeah, I think if, if you're breeding acid on anybody, you're pretty sadistic. Yeah. True. Yeah. So. Uh, black dragons yeah i mean black dragons are like the ones who are like i think if you face on any of these guys you're oh, yeah. in trouble but if you face on a black dragon it's like oh we're gonna face this guy and we're not gonna like it because he's gonna be an asshole about everything yeah so, i like oh i know i think there's yeah i think it is just my own thing about like acid damage is fucked up <laughs> yeah we talked about this previously when the when we talked about the different damage types one yeah. episode uh, and we agree i think we agreed acid is like the one one of the few acid and necrotic I think we settled on were the two damage types you can't argue that there's a non-lethal option with um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like the, the black dragon can't breathe however many d8s of acid damage or whatever it is on you and then go oh I don't have to specify you know yeah. non-lethal because I'm only no, going to melt his you're skin getting... not his bones exactly <laughs> uh, you don't know I'm sorry you're getting uh, you're going to be dissolved into nothing so like that, like that scene in Breaking Bad with the bathtub. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, also I, I like the black dragons have that thing 
And we, we saw this. We fought a black dragon. Yeah, in a I think that's probably to, something to do with it as well as that, like, the first dragon we fought, like, I fought was a, was a black dragon. And it was super fucking intimidating. And I, I think yeah. I did take the full blast of that uh, acid damage breath from his breath weapon. Mm -hmm. And, man, I think I took, like, 70 points of damage or something crazy like that. Yeah, they do a cool thing, and this DM reflected that in the in the chamber we were in. Yes, and yes. It, it had a lot of gold, as dragons want to do. Dragons typically hoard treasure of various kinds. Um, they had the, or he had the the black dragon pour all of its gold into pools of lava. Um, so it wasn't dissolving in the, la oh, the lava. Acid. Like acid. Um, a lava dragon um, would be sick, though. Uh, a lava dragon what? Let, let me tell you about a thing in a few minutes i'll tell you about a thing Ooh. um but uh <laughs> the yeah so the he would push all the gold into the pools of acid and then you can't get to it without scalding your hand in acid um uh, and, it, and it's how they protect it like uh, i think white dragons also freeze they, yeah, all they of freeze theirs. it in yeah did you need to like get a knife and chip <laughs> out gold piece by gold piece um which is great i mean i love i love i love that they have ways of protecting their horde that isn't just i'm good like don't be wrong Red dragon, red dragon sleeping on top of a pile of treasure. Yeah, great imagery. But uh, I, I love the idea that of freezing it, or encasing it in crystal, or pour it, like putting it into a pool of acid, or doing anything at all that you can be like, I'm going to protect this as best I can, so pesky adventurers don't come wandering into my lair oh. and stealing all my gold. I had a really cool. I think I, I, I just had an idea for a homebrew dragon that I think would be pretty cool, like a catfish dragon, and it keeps all of its gold in its stomach. Oh, this okay. I, I, I yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know if you want to jump into weird style dragons or what. Now we can go through more. Absolutely, stuff, let's go through some weird dragons. Okay, okay. So, so you mentioned that catfish dragon, super, super cool. I think I've brought this guy up consistently for the past three weeks. <laughs> A guy named Arcane Forge on YouTube. <laughs> I haven't heard of him. Oh, no. uh, yeah, yeah. I, I just, I, I could have him before. Um. Yeah, so this guy, he does uh, drawings and, and his own interpretations of what uh, creatures from D&D uh, &D look like, and he does some really, really f like absolutely phenomenal takes on certain creatures, and he, and he kind of redesigns them and reimagines them. Uh, and he kind of looks at their origin, like, where did this creature come from? Why is it a D&D &D monster? Um, you know, like, does it have history or origin within the real world, and how is it adapted and stuff like that? Yeah. He did a couple of dragons... Yeah, she does like a dragon December, I think. Uh, or oh, has the last couple of years. Yeah, there's a thing artists will do with yeah, I've seen it on a couple of channels. There's another channel that does similar stuff like that called Subjectively, and I think it's D in December. Yeah, he so he he obviously only or primarily does D and D. So he'll do uh he'll make a dragon December and, and for every week of the, of that month, he'll do a different type of dragon. So he's done some chromatics and he's done I think he did Tiamat. Uh, who that's like doing all of the chromatics yeah yeah uh, but he did he did Tiamat which was like uh, really a really fantastic image because all of his work is but it was fairly standard what you expect Tiamat to look like he did Bahamut and he made Bahamut look like a draconic humpback whale oh wow and it's it's bizarre but it works it, it looks so like you can imagine this draconic whale sailing through the astral sea kind of it, it looks really really cool um, and he also did one that was a fairy dragon but it looked way more like an iguana Ooh. so it had the the beady eyes uh, and and the, the kind of i think some of the horned uh, iguanas have like a swooped horn on their nose and stuff it had stuff like that um 
it looked they're just really interesting takes on on dragons um yeah and i just, I just want to talk about those for a minute because oh. i really like them yeah um, that's probably the most relevant thing we've said in a while so that's good <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i mean like there's yeah. um obviously you have your your chromatics you have your metallics as well yeah i never have you run a metallic ever i i have a metallic and i have a, I have an ancient silver metallic dragon npc in my campaign at the moment um right. but no i've never run one because and i'm guessing it's the same reason you've never run one generally speaking they are good aligned yeah it's it's kind of the same reason i don't end up using a lot of like uh planetars and solars and the, some of those celestials and stuff well uh, it's kind of hard sometimes to make to use them in the campaign because your players are typically the good guys not always but typically the good guys um so how, you know how do you unless you make them a corrupted version of that thing i did actually do that once i used uh i think it was a deva in a or a diva deva uh in one in a one shot i ran for some people and it had been corrupted it basically it was fighting a demon the demon and it both ended up impaled uh on this obelisk um and the guys had to like pull the demon body down and when they did the deva slid off the rest of the obelisk as well and submerged in this pool of black demonic ichor and when it came out it was like animated and brought back but it was like Ooh, chaotic evil that's cool so they had to, and instead of doing radiant it was doing like necrotic and stuff like that um and they fought that as like the last boss of that mission um but yeah i mean like do you, you i i feel like it's hard to use them sometimes because yeah. of that reason you know um alignment is something that i feel can be a bit restricting sometimes yeah uh, and prime example uh you know you almost never fight a gold silver bronze copper or brass dragon um which is kind of a sad because and it's something that i was going to point out as much as i love dragons they don't have a lot of like they're almost all the same barring hmm. the element that they do the actual uh, metallics have like additional breath attacks they can do. Uh, I noted them down here. It's like gold can do a weakening breath attack, silver can do paralysis, bronze can do repulsion, uh, copper can do. Actually, I don't know what copper did because from my note I wrote copper semicolon acid comma copper. He doesn't have copper breath. I don't know what he actually is meant to have. Uh, oh, is, then, that isn't um, like because um, I know there's other dragons from like third party books where they have like breath uh, breath weapons that are like shards of metal. That wouldn't be it. Will it? No, uh, that's uh, that's actually what I do with my notes as well. That's from uh, is this? I have Maldon next to me. Uh, it's Toma Beast. There's a mithril dragon inside of that. Yeah. Uh, who breeds shards of like mithril or whatever, or, me or at least metal on you. If and I was a ton of slashing damage. If I was the if I was the party's tank, I would run in front of its face and go breathe on me. <laughs> 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 I would intentionally fail the dexterity saving throw to get stuck with as much mithril as possible. Just hold, hold open the dagger, holding like yeah. that. And go hit me, hit me. No, just let just like play a barb, wear no armor, stand in front of it, and go make me a rich man. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's a shame because like it's a shame that either the chromatics don't have an additional breath weapon themselves, yeah, or you know that, like I said, I feel like I I I don't know a lot about the met metallic dragons. I think I had a brass. Yeah, you did. I yeah. want to say brass in the previous campaign. He kind of showed up at the end because Mike was playing a, a blue dragonborn sorcerer, and he had like an adoptive father who was a brass dragon who kind of raised him. Um, and he showed up at the last kind of arc and helped out a bit with the fight. Um, 
that's the only time I've ever used a, a, a one of the metallics. Um, other than that, I don't know. I feel like they are they have potentially really powerful, really cool allies. Yeah, yeah totally. But, uh, it's I I just wish that the I wish dragons in general had more to do. You know, in a yeah. fight. Yeah, I think like they are such an iconic and and like powerful and like we've said it before like there's there's nothing like fighting a dragon it's just it's like fighting a beholder as well like there's just it's just holy shit it's the thing on the dm screen <laughs> like yeah yeah it, it's the thing that the game is named after yes um and, and I, don't get me wrong I, I don't think there's ever been a time ever that i've gone and you you know if i i've been like and you hear the beating of wings and a roar and you watch as this 50 foot long Dracon, draconic creature smashes through the wall it's got scales of whatever red and it's breathing fire from its lips and it's doing all this other stuff and like I don't think there's ever been a, t a point where all, everyone at the table has universally gone oh, yeah, it's a dragon uh, whether they are impressed or terrified I don't think there's ever been a, a non-reaction to that Yeah, I, I particularly love it when like if you're playing with people who have fought a dragon before and like the DM goes yeah, roll a perception check, and you roll high, and, you go, and he goes, far away, but getting closer, you can hear a sound. <laughs> and then just get, and it's the beating of wings approaching very quickly, and then everyone in the party is like, oh, fuck! <laughs> You're literally like, Defcon 5 just got hit, and everyone's just like, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit! Like, yeah, I think, mm. again, I feel like they were like... Every campaign should have at least one dragon. Yes. At least one, because it's it's the name of the game, you know? Well, um, if we're being strict about it, technically you should have two, because it's dungeons and dragons. You need at least two dungeons or and two dragons, uh, or you lose your DM license. It's it's not dungeon and dragon. Yeah, yeah. You need yeah, two of I each, you. or you. you need two of each, or Jeremy Crawford is going to come and kick you in the teeth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I like... Uh, yeah, again, I feel like, again, I've never... I, Personally, I think from a DM perspective, maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me behind the screen. Um, I think that the mechanics of dragons are far too uniform uh, uh, across the board, you know, uh, where they all have the same, like, because like, really, again, especially when you're playing with experienced players, I think maybe newer players would be like, whoa, and there's a level of like, this is our first time experiencing a dragon, and it's it's very new. But you very quickly learn what the colors are, what the types of damage are that they do, and subsequently, the type of damage you're not meant to use against that type of dragon because it'll be ineffective. And like most um, of that, you can just intuit from what color the dragon is. Exactly. You you see a red dragon. I mean, I don't even think if you asked anybody who hasn't played D and D before or whatever, I think they're instantly going to go. Well, he probably breeds fire. You know, if you ask them what they, you think this guy breeds, they're going to say fire. So what about um white? Uh, I don't know, is it cold or something. You know, it's it's easy enough to make the connection. Um. And it's, like I said, there's something to be admired about the fact that we all know what the, what it is. We all know yeah. the mythology. So when you see a red dragon, like if you see a white dragon, you're like, oh, that's dangerous. But they're not the worst dragons out yeah. there, you know? Whereas you see a red dragon, you're like, shit's about to be thrown down. Because <laughs> yeah. they, that's the, that's like, that's the Hungarian horn tail. Yeah. That's the most aggressive, most powerful type of dragon. Um, so there's something to be said for having a hierarchy like that where you know exactly what each what the deal of each dragon is you know yeah i think as well 
part of the reason why they are so similar i'd imagine is game design they specifically designed 5e to be easier to get into easier to run more welcoming to new people so i'd imagine as a part of that they probably wanted to keep dragons as mechanically similar as possible yeah probably um also it just it makes make sense to have them be similar they all have claws they all have teeth they yeah all have tail. they're they're yeah they're they're just like diff they're just like slightly different <laughs> vari- they're slightly different variations of the of the same creature you know it's it's environmental yeah, yeah. factors nearly there's um i do like when we, when you can kind of step outside the the bounds of like your typical dragons there's like two types in the d yeah. in the play or the i said dmg <laughs> then i said player's handbook when i when i, I meant the third one the only one that's left the monster manual uh which are like shadow dragons and, yes uh, Draco, uh liches. Draco liches yeah there's also a new there's one I, I was going to mention earlier but i have which it's one i really want to use which is the shardalin dragon from rhyme of the frost maiden i completely forgot about that yeah that one's really cool that one's it's, really really cool it's a bit weak for a dragon but it's really but it's it's actual what it is is actually really cool it's made from it's like a it's a drag it's a huge construct made from like yeah what is Shardlin again? It, it, it's like icy metal or something like that, isn't it? I honestly, I, I read it only not that I long ago now, and I'm forgetting. And I, but um, yeah, it's something like that. It's 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 basically this material that's left over from this uh, long dead empire in the Forgotten Realms, um, and like the the place the Duragar are mining it in um in this campaign or in this uh, setting is that it's it's in this um kind of in a buried city this ancient buried city that's buried below the ice something like that and they're they're mining that and constructing yeah uh, a, a bit essentially or it's essentially a robot dragon from this type of i think it's like it's somewhere between a metal and a stone yeah if i'm not mistaken um and it has this kind of like dark magic effect that surrounds it and stuff it's really really cool um i've actually been working on a a list of uh metals for my world or a way to Ooh. kind of uh, just to kind of make some things my own a little bit, or to I, I'd like to get you on board with the naming conventions of. <laughs> I have um, I have uh, blood metal, which is uh made by demons, and it's quite literally demons being so chaotic they just want to destroy and kill everything. So if they soak the, uh, if you soak their blood, the blood of other demons, uh, if you use that to quench metal, it makes it blood metal. Don't know what it does yet, but it sounds cool. Um. And I have Sin Metal, which is the kind of the equivalent, but for devils, and because devils deal in souls the whole time, if they have enough sinful souls that they've collected from people not being good in life, they can like imbue that into uh, into metal to make it into Sin Metal. May I suggest a slight tweak to the name? Go on. Sin Steel. Sin Steel works as well. Yeah. Uh, I also have uh, Star Metal, but I just that's just me renaming Adamantium. <laughs> uh, it's literally meteoric yeah. iron um so yeah star metal i have um i have storm steel in in my world which is um Ooh. like it, it's essentially like a, an ingot of steel that's been like it's it's been forged and then left to quench in a thunderstorm and it's, it takes um electrical enchantments easier that's really cool that's really cool i do, I do like the idea of having uh uh we're getting up. We're getting up. Stopping a dragon. Totally, steer back that completely. way. But um, <laughs> I, do, I do like. They had actually a thing like that in Critical Role as well, where they had to make a sword called Star Razor for uh, yes. uh, Travis's character Ford, and it was like I think was it I think it was Mithril they yeah. needed. They needed it Mithril, was Mithril, and then yeah. they. Uh, but it's a specific type of Mithril where it's imbued with cold energy or something like that. So they had to find a way to do that, 
and then they're like, oh, there's a dragon at this mountain up north, and they went there, and someone had to kind of hold these ingots of mithril and be like, breathe on these. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, they, and the dragon blasted them with cold, and, and like they were underleveled for that. Um, but the dragon blasted them with, uh, with cold energy, uh, and it kind of gives this kind of blue shimmery sparkle to the silver metal. Um, and that's what they made the sword out of, which I thought was yeah. really, really cool. A really cool reason to go looking for a dragon, actually, I, rather I, than just, uh, oh, it's attacking the town or or it's guarding a horde of treasure. We have to go probably not kill it because we won't be able to kill it. But if it just breeds on us a couple of <laughs> times, we're good. <laughs> I do um, love that convention in fantasy as well of like using a dragon to forge weapons like they do it in Game of Thrones with um, Valyrian steel. Um, and like just yep. it's it's just such a classic fantasy trope and just so like it just immediately brings to mind like dragon riders and like knights on dragon back and all that kind of really just peak really great fantasy stuff yeah and a lot of high fantasy stuff of i like i like the idea like a monster hunter vibe of using uh using creatures to make magic items or even that even like semi-mundane items with not quite magical but maybe the armor it gets a bit more of an effect like you have uh, i know it's technically magical you have adamantian armor at the moment yeah. though, and i like the rule in D where if you have adamantian armor it's classed as a magic item in the dmg i would argue if you just had flat adamantian armor it probably wouldn't give off like a magical aura to detect magic that's just me um but it's just yeah. it's like here's a, a metal it's just a metal anyone with the skill can work it and then it obviously negates critical hits which yeah. is fucking brilliant <laughs> yeah um <laughs> and, and like that I, from what i remember from reading like that effect is it says in the item is like it's because of its unusually uh because the, it's basically unusually dense metal um yeah that, that it negates like that it's just able to take a hit much better um so like not, uh, crits become regular hits and like that's like that that's not a magic i wouldn't even yeah like i wouldn't necessarily class that as a magical effect that's just like i don't know it's just a consequence of the material you've made it from it's like it's, I, yeah. I don't know yeah it's steel versus titanium like it's yeah it's 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 like making copper and then being like oh it can conduct electricity that's a magical effect it's like no that's just inherent quality of the material that's just yeah it's, it's a quality of the material yeah exactly but i do like that monster hunter vibe um with those kind of materials and stuff and to bring it back to dragons mm -hmm. something people are always do and I, pretty much every campaign i've seen a dragon appear it's been done um is that the the scales of dragons typically get made into uh scale or plate armor that's made of uh the bones or the scale or whatever of that yep. dragon which then typically carries with it the resistance of that dragon so i know in our first campaign we fought that black dragon you ended up with some black i believe it's half plate or, uh, or it yeah full plate? black half plate yeah because uh, bar barbs can't full wear full plate or they can't rage oh that's right yeah yeah um, I got a couple of fangs off the dragon, which you I did. made into a couple of short swords. Um, last campaign, you fought a red dragon, which became a suit of plate uh, red dragon scale armor, um, which gave you fire resistance, of course. It was very um, fun. And then I think you also uh, you killed a blue dragon, like yep. a, an ancient blue dragon towards the end of the game, uh, and you got some blue scale off him, which I don't believe ever... Uh, you got to utilize, but I think you I think you asked someone to craft this into armor for you, uh, and they were yeah. doing it. But I think you went off to fight the final boss, and I think in you know, in, in, in our epilogue, I said I spent like the the remain like a year finishing that, and it's just like no, like in my character's office, there's like two suits of armor, one red and <coughs> one blue behind them. It, yeah, it, it's uh, it's the Batcave where you have all the different oh, yeah. suits lined up. I, and, I've always yeah. wanted to have like a Tony Stark. 
um, room for one of my yeah, D&D yeah. characters and it's just like red, blue, green, like yellow, yellow, Jesus, like red, blue, green, black, like all, all like the, dra- just like sets of dragon armor all the way down and just be like, uh, what mission are we going on? Uh, I will take the, the red dragon armor today. <laughs> I think yellow dragons are a thing. There was in a previous edition to D and I remember I asked them. I think I asked the IDM once. It was like, so if we killed like five dragons and I took the scales from five dragons and I made one suit of armor from five different dragon scales, but I get five different resistances. And he was like, <laughs> no, but you would probably make a very sacred relic to Tiamat that people would be really upset about. <laughs> Oh yeah, that'd be a real. Oh my god, yeah, all the different chromatic colors in there. That'd yeah, be really cool. Uh yes, there is. There is yellow dragons from pre prior editions of D anD. d Yeah, that have they live in deserts. There's the sapphire cool. dragon now as well, actually. There is actually. I haven't. I haven't looked at. Actually, speaking of sapphire, there is uh, there is gemstone dragons yes. in the strongholds and followers book uh, that Matt Colville released. Um, they're really they're, they're probably the more some of the more interesting ones because Matt did something different with them and that they don't have any breast weapons at all. Instead, all those dragons are psionic. Ooh. They all have psychic powers, and he has a list of rules in his book that are like not quite spells, but it's almost like spells, and they're specifically psionic abilities um, and a system by which you can use them that spends points to you know cast these different abilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all of his dragons, he has amethyst. Sapphire, Emerald, Ruby, Topaz. Topaz are really cool, actually, because all basically most true dragons have six appendages, not counting a tail. Right. Four legs and two wings. He's changed a lot of these guys so that they don't all have wings, and instead they have something else. So like his Topaz dragons instead just have six legs. That's so three legs on either side, and they're incredibly fast runners. Um, his what's it? His uh, Sapphire dragon. Uh, has just these tentacles so they're just tentacles that come off its back and that he can like use them to like pick stuff up and that's cool. it's really really cool yeah uh, but they're they're a good example of like uh of you know taking dragons and trying to do something different with them and kind of bend the rules and make them a bit more unique yeah uh, he also has some rules in there for uh gemstone dragonborn as well Ooh, which is really really, that's cool. really cool there's um i'm gonna surprise surprise i'm gonna talk about <laughs> league of legends again um but they're so, Should I bring up Zack Snyder? <laughs> <laughs> I can't take much more Zack Snyder when he's been too much on the internet right for for the last oh. while. But no, it's relevant because they so they initially planned like a storm uh, like an Asian style storm dragon character that they, they they ended up not being able to just deliver on just the tech wasn't there. But years later they they reworked that concept into a celestial dragon, and uh, he's called Aurelian Sol. I, they, I think he's called it because every champion has a, it'll be like their name and then they'll have like a title. So like uh, there's like Garen the fist of Damasia, uh, but like Aurelian Sol right. is like Aurelian Sol the star forger, and he is like a he is a like planetary sized celestial dragon, um that has like it's like the lower half back the back half of his body is like translucent and looks like the night sky, and like he like m- like he bursts stars from the palms of his hands and like can like make black holes and shit. And it like I was like, oh, that's just such a cool concept for a dragon, because the area where he's he he's from technically from the game is called Mount Tarragon. It's just like um Greek uh it's like this Greek style um sun worshiping culture that lives on this mountain, very much like Mount Olympus. And like the, there's a trial you can take where you climb the mountain to the highest peaks, and if you are 
uh, worthy enough when you get there the heavens might open and you and like uh you may be become like uh, what's known as an aspect which is like an, an incarnation of uh, a, a constellation in the sky so like one of there's an aspect of the warrior there's another uh, like the warrior oh, right. the dreamer that kind of stuff but um it's just such a so like they have um in their mythology and in their culture they have loads of other like mad star celestial dragons there's like one that's like it's like one body but it's got two heads but one head is on like on this shoulder and one head is on this shoulder and they have like it looks like i'm gonna it's gonna sound really super like like star stuff and galaxy like galaxy material like splitting between the two of them i think it's called like oh, the, yeah. oh it's called the infinity splitter which that's is sort of real. oh it's such a cool like it and it's not even in, like it that's just a card from their card game but i just love like it's such a cool concept to take dragons and go but what if space though but what if space yeah uh it's actually, it's actually funny you bring it up because in uh it's in tome of beasts i believe yeah tome of beasts there is a void dragon oh um, well like it's that. kind of similar to what you're describing it's, it's its whole body looks like the black of space but covered with stars and nebulas and stuff like that all through its wings and things um, yeah. And it has two breath abilities. One is gravity, which increases its gravity breath. Cool. It increases falling damage in an area, and also like gravity increases, so you get restrained to the ground if you fail your your save. And also has a stellar flare breath, which is both fire and radiant damage. Oh, that's so cool! I love that. They're, they're, I love that. They're insanely, insanely powerful. The, the legendary version of them is something like I'd only ever consider putting up against like an eighteen or higher level party because it's there's. <laughs> crazy crazy powerful I um that is the, that is dragons though they're very much like a final boss like a, a dragon is not a pit stop like on the way to the actual villain you know yeah absolutely i mean like i feel yeah i feel like a dragon is is something to be celebrated in D D. Uh, again whether for better or for worse whether it's going against you or yeah. or, or whatever or, or whether you're excited to fight it or terrified i feel like a dragon is definitely a something to be celebrated and again you it's it's the namesake of the game yeah. you know it's it's hey you know i made you go through this eight dungeons well there's finally <laughs> yeah. a dragon because you don't use them every single day um but i mean like it, yeah it, it's exciting when a dragon does show up in a campaign i think um even though i i have like i said i think that they're a little bit samey and and it's it can be a bit uh a repetitive sorry better word um if you're a a long-term player and you've fought a bunch of dragons before um but even even if you are, I still feel like you always remember the time you fought this dragon. 100%. Because there's something just so epic and, uh, the story and just tends, memorable about it. Yeah, the story tends to build towards them as well. In that, like, everything... Yeah. It's like a funnel. Like, I, like, it all just comes down to the one point, and that point is the dragon. And, like... Yeah, they're just... Um, they're just like such an iconic monster, and they have so much, like, cultural weight behind them as well. Because, like, it's, it's the thing where, like universally around the world whatever culture you go to they have a dragon yeah of some way shape yeah. or form yeah now the cool kind of science theory behind that is that well dinosaurs existed and and in most places where they have a, have a drive dragon myths you could find dinosaur bones and so the theory yeah. is that our, our ancestors millions of years ago when those bones would have still been closer to the surface than they are now um they like dug them up and they're like Jesus, this looks like a leg bone, but it's like nine feet long. What is this? And it's like, yeah, well, this looks like a, a lizard's head, but it's I, I can get inside the mouth of it. Like, yeah. And so they go, oh, and dragons come out. It's the same way. Um, it's a great story. Um, an elephant skull is responsible for the myth of the Cyclops. 
because they have that big uh, kind of yeah. hole in the front of the skull. Yeah, because yeah, they've they've too small. They, their eyes are here, like so they've they're and they're way smaller than the hole here for the trunk. So when when yeah, like yeah. ancient people found an elephant skull and they just saw this giant skull with like a fucking huge hole in the middle, they went, "Oh my god, this one-eyed beast!" Like <laughs> this, this very tall, huge one-eyed man. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Jesus, it's I just love stuff like that. But yeah, it's I think that is one of the cool thing about dragons as well is that if you want to put in a little bit of work and change up what's in the the book and like maybe even homebrew your own dragon yeah. you have so many cultures to go to that you can pull from and like some of them are already represented in D, but like i think like you have so many opportunities to put like a cool spin on it and like you could literally just go all right what's a kind of a random cool animal that does either like has some kind of cool natural feature or gimmick to it or just like looks cool and you go okay and then combine that to a dragon that's literally what i did earlier when i was like what about a catfish dragon yeah or or like i said the the humpback whale or the yes. iguana or anything like that like like just uh you can also do a lot of stuff like uh birds like give yeah. them more like beaks or give them feathers because obviously like lizards and birds have like this kind of avian um crossover you could give them feathered wings uh, and a mane of feathers yeah. if you want to. dinosaurs had um, feathers <clears throat> exactly yeah um there's a lot of stuff like that where like in my uh i, I don't know if i brought a podcast but i told you before for definite in my current uh D world asteria and um, there are no chromatics or metallics and um, i've basically thrown the book out on that one <laughs> um and instead like my dragons can come in any color uh and they may have one or more breath weapons you know just because they're blue does not mean they breathe lightning yeah they could be blue and breathe blue flame or they could be blue and breathe blue flame, but also they have an ability to, I don't know, uh, I'm blanking here, breathe something else that's blue, blue acid, why not? Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, like, so I, I've kind of, I've thrown a lot of that stuff out, and I've also kind of, I, I just like, because again, I, most of the players I'm playing with either know the game very well or have been playing for a very long time. Um, they know what the colors of dragons are. Mm. They know that if, if a green dragon swoops down up, oh, all right, guys, get your poison potions ready or your antidotes ready because there's a lot of poison damage coming. I want you to not be ready for it. Yeah. Um, and I want to I want to be able to still surprise you. I I like I, I think I described it online to someone once, and I was chatting to someone in the comment section, um, how I basically threw the book out, and I'm like, I have no problem putting a purple dragon into my campaign with uh with like white zebra stripes all along it that breeds force damage. You know, um, and and I, I don't care if it makes zero sense whatsoever. In my world, all dragons started off as uh, just fire breathers, and because they're so long lived, in my in my in my world, dragons don't die of old age. Okay. Um, they usually they die because they get so big they can no longer sustain themselves in terms of like eating and stuff like that. Um, so they get so big they just end up like starving and dying and becoming a mountainside. Um. Uh, and that some of them are as big as mountainsides, as whole yeah. mountain ranges in my world. I'm like, that was a dragon. That whole thing was a dragon. Um, and but then obviously that was like they were the the really first generation that were alive mm -hmm. thousands of years ago, and they are, most of them have died off. So even the ancient ancient uh, dragons that you see now uh, that are size gargantuans and stuff, they're they're toddlers by comparison to these <laughs> truly behemoth things that came before. Um, and over time, they're also like they're typically evil. Not always, but they're they're not all. There's no like the, the the metal ones are good and the chromatic ones are bad. It's like 
uh, it's a bit a bit more nuanced than that. There's less uh, less of a line uh, dividing them up that way. So some of them might have their own interests or goals, and if you align with that, they might side with you. But a lot of them tend to be towards the selfish side, and they're also very vain, which is why they kind of they tend to magically customize themselves. Mm-hmm. So whereas all dragons start off fire breathers, some dragons might be like they might decide to grow their horns in a different shape or pattern. So you could have uh, uh, a green dragon who normally has, I believe, like a fin that goes yeah. along the back of their head. Uh, and you could ha- they might decide they're going to grow two kind of bull-sized horns, like, almost like a black dragon, going out and up like that, um, because they prefer that. And then they might say, well, I kind of want to have, uh, I don't know, four wings. And, and over time, they will magically alter themselves. And then they'll decide, I, I want to be able to breathe cold instead of uh, poison. So then you have this completely unrecognizable four-winged dragon mm. with a horn that's green but it breeds cold damage and all this other stuff um and it just gives me the opportunity to be like to completely catch you off guard uh so you have no idea what's coming until the fight's already kicked off and stuff like that you know yeah i was watching a um i watch a lot of videos where like artists um do concept art for different things or like reinterpret like various properties and um, there was one I think it was this objectively video I was watching where he was just doing lots of different dragons and he did a bat dragon and it was so cool a bat dragon yeah like it's a it's a, oh. it's, it's a bat that is dragon sized and I think it had like a I think oh no he didn't go into abilities but like as soon as that just as soon as I said that like popped into my head it would be like it's and it's weapon would be sound yeah like thunder damage yeah like it just it just screams at you and yeah like, like a sonar blast like yeah and it's got like perfect night vision can see through everything perfectly and it's got like ridiculously high blind sight yeah ridiculously high perception as well yeah exactly that'd be really really cool uh and again like you can totally it like i know that they looking at other types of lizards is the obvious one reptiles is the obvious one to draw comparison with there isn't a chameleon dragon yet exactly or one that's like uh mixed with a frog and it's got a a tongue so you try to run away from it Say Froghemoth. Like that. But I mean, like, imagine like a dragon that has just a big bulbous neck, Ooh. but also it has an elastic tongue. So if you're trying to run away, it can be like, no, you don't. And it makes an attack. And if it hits you, you have to make a strength save or you get pulled to within five feet of it by its tongue or swallowed. Yeah, swallowed, I think, would be what you'd have to be swallowed, I think. Would have. Like, <laughs> yeah. With a frog, like, yeah, they, they, don't, they don't go, oh, they go like, wham, and in. I say this yeah, as yeah. a guy who used to own a chameleon. They do not fuck around as soon as they have it. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like a second and nothing is dead. <laughs> like, yeah. So I mean that that like you can take you can do some really really unique spins on dragons. You did a really great one for a one shot we did once where you'll have to tell me what the name of the fantasy series is with all the different color magics. Oh, um, that is uh, why can I not think of it? That is the Lightbringer series by Brent Weeks. The Lightbringer series. Yes. Yeah. You so you you did a very very cool uh. One where we, I, I think it was kind of based in your current D and D world, or a, a piece of it that it was, yeah, uh, it, was, it was like a piece of it that I pulled out to be like a setting for this one chat, but it wasn't necessarily yeah, yeah. based in the world. But yeah, yeah, and then you uh, you had incorporated some of the magics and how they use the these chromatic colors like blues and and oranges and stuff to do various effects. Yeah, uh, and you described how someone crafted these magics into our weapons and armor and stuff uh, before we head out to go and find this uh, this anomaly um 
and the anomaly turned out to be a dragon. And if I remember, if I remember correctly, and I wasn't behind the screen, so I don't know 100 know. But if I remember, if I remember correctly, at the start of every round, you would roll a dice to determine what color dragon yeah. it would be that round. Um, yeah, which is really really cool uh, and a really good idea to keep your players on their toes. Have yeah. this like shifting rainbow dragon. And then on any given turn, it might be poison, fire, lightning, cold, you know, acid. It could, it, it could jump back and forth between any one of them. Yeah, I, I can't remember what I used as a stat base for it. Um, but yeah, that was that was a lot of fun, and that was purely based on. So in in the book series, um, there's this they have this like religious leader who's also like um their magical leader called the Prism, and he's one of the only people who can use all of the colors. And as part of his duties, um, the, the, the substance they make is called Luxon. And when they, because it exists naturally, sometimes too much of it accumulates in certain areas. If too much of that Luxon is being made, like if someone makes too much red, there's going to be a lot of blue accumulating somewhere else as a balance. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so his duty, one of his duties is he goes out and seeks out these anomalies and closes them down. And I was like, that would be a really cool idea for like a mission style one shot and i think mission yeah. style is always a good way to go with a one shot because it's a very here's your start point you have a journey and then you have an end point yeah um and yeah it just seems so natural to be like well yeah it's a, it's a dragon and like they're chromatic already so like fuck it yeah why not just, it, just do it and just like i literally just i think i was on like a d6 or whatever and just like yeah one two is that three four is that and so on um i was actually a bit worried because that potentially ups the cr quite a bit because <laughs> you're fucking yeah, resistance yeah. and stuff but it was fun it does, and actually, I remember during it. I think the first round you rolled it started off as a white, and then yeah, it was definitely uh, white at the start. Yeah, it was white at the start. Then I think it went blue, and then went back to white on the third <laughs> round. But the thing is, I was playing a, a Triton Storm Herald, and I think you gave me like blue magic or whatever yeah. on my uh, on my uh, Trident, which is cold magic. So I was doing that cold damage, but then I was also doing lightning damage because of my Storm Herald stuff, and I any given round it was resistant to one of the abilities <laughs> yeah. i can do and i remember you apologizing yeah to me and i'm like no it's fine don't worry about it but like, <clears throat> i remember you rolling and going oh it's white again sorry connor <laughs> <laughs> yeah sorry about that yeah it's just sometimes the dice just really want to fuck over one player <laughs> mm. uh, again i, I didn't mind though because i thought that was a very very cool battle and again very cool idea Especially if you have those long-term players who know exactly what all the dragons do. If you go, oh, it's a white dragon. And everyone's like, get your potions of frost resistance ready. And on the next round, it's like, now it's a red dragon. Wait, what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, you, I, I can face any cold. You'll never defeat me. I breathe fire now. What? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, or do it. Oh, man, do it like, uh, have it be a dragon that's like, I don't know, gray. Mm. Right, just completely gray. And the players are like, what the hell is this? Ooh. And every time you go to make a breath attack, roll a d6 and then in that only in that moment does it decide what breath it has it's completely random like a beholder's eyes talk Ooh, or like um i just had an, i thought you were going a different way of that and i and and the idea popped into my head there um what about like a mirror scaled dragon that has no color and it takes its color depending on what kind of magic is used against it absolutely yeah exactly so like if it, if it got hit with fire it would immediately become immune to fire damage and start breathing fire on you yeah uh, that'd be really cool. It's almost like uh, it's like Silver Surfer can do stuff like that. I think. Uh, I, I think so. Yeah, there's a lot of characters in Marvel that have like energy absorption and redirection. Like Thor can do that shit. Yeah, yeah. Or uh, yeah. So or, or oh, what was your man? X Men First Class. He was able to absorb energy and stuff. It wasn't quite the same. Uh, but, Sebastian you know, Shaw. Did you? Yeah, he was able to absorb energy and then like you know uh, expel it back outwards. So if you can just be like as a reaction, I just took lightning damage as a reaction. I half that damage. 
now I'm a lightning dragon. Yeah, that would be pretty sick, actually. That would be that would be <coughs> really yeah, as like a as like a legendary action reaction. Like yeah, as exactly, a like, yeah, oh, yeah. Um, watch out, party! You might be fighting a mirror dragon at some point now. <laughs> that just sounds but like too much fun. I think oh, that's really really cool. I think <coughs> just giving them as, oh, well, as well as trying to casts, shake up the element. It gets itself. to cast mirror image for, as a free action as one of its legendary <laughs> reactions. Oh, I think uh, I think it's really cool to be able to like just I mean okay, definitely shake up the colors a little bit, definitely yeah. change up the elements, but also like again, dragons can do like four things. They can do bite claw tail and then Wing uh, they can breathe they can do whatever their breath weapon is um and i'm like i think give them more moves than that mm. you know i was thinking a while ago give a give a green dragon a, a, a tail make their tail attack a stinging tail like a wyvern yeah, has that would be cool um or give a give a a blue dragon more storm based powers so like it can obviously do its action and do whatever move that is but maybe it's a bonus action kind of like a storm herald um, it can do a, a jolt of lightning that hits one person within 10 feet or 20 feet or whatever it is. Um, you can do a lot of stuff. You could give them like levels into classes or give them spellcasting. Spellcasting is like giving spellcasting to any monster stat block that doesn't already have it is it a, is it a brilliant way to immediately add an entirely new dimension to, mm. that, to that monster. Yeah, I was thinking as well with the, with the blue dragon, like you could do stuff like, you could do, I suppose you could do something similar for anyone, but it's just because we were talking about the blue dragon. If you wanted to give it more storm stuff, you could do a thing where, like, because of where it's made its nest, um, like, and and its presence there, it's warped the weather around there, and, and just storm winds ravage the area every time. So you have to make a strength save every turn, or you get knocked back five feet. Yeah, I well, I I had a thing actually where you guys it was it was semi related, but um, it was kind of a layer ability when you guys fought a blue dragon in the previous campaign, um, you were doing it in a you mentioned a while ago how they used a lightning to basically turn sand into like crystalline glass um and you guys were in this glass desert yeah where that was constantly stormy so that the sandstorms were actually glass storms and they would shred you guys down so i, I was having you take a few d4 damage at the start of every single turn and i I'd change the winds so at the start of a round i'd go i'd roll out d4 or whatever or d8 or whatever it was and then i'd know what direction the wind was coming from and i'd look at where you are and i'm like right i can see that martin is here but, and the wind is coming from this side, but he's actually standing by a pillar, so he's not going to take damage this round. But anyone else who's not currently in complete cover from the, the winds is going to take damage as shards of glass are yeah. basically put through a leaf blower on top of them. Like That was um, that was brutal, yeah. Like, it was... I, was I, I mean that in a good way, too. Like, it, it didn't feel unbalanced, but it very much put a sense of urgency <laughs> into us. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, again, because you were, you were a high enough level, like... You could you couldn't you couldn't possibly do this with a third or fourth level party, but you guys were like maybe fifteen or something like that. Yeah. Point. you were very high level. Um, so it was a legendary dragon, and you were taking just environmental damage. And I think he had the ability. He was actually I made him a spellcaster as well. He was. Uh, yeah. Kefalax was his name. Yeah. He uh, he had the a lot of storm. I, I kind of actually I gave him levels into, um, storm sorcerer. Um, again so again give uh give them. Uh, give, give him action surges give him uh, uh, rage abilities from Barbarian action uh, surge give... Jesus Christ man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, flame breath and flame breath again um... oh god <laughs> but... that would be such a brutal round if it was like he's, oh. he's going to abuse his breath weapon action surge okay I'm going to roll a d6 see if he gets his breath weapon back 6 breath weapon again <laughs> oh god I, actually you mentioned it a minute ago and I can't believe we've glossed over it for this long um, 
the environmental effects of different dragons. Oh Jesus, yeah. How? Do, sorry, do you know when you just take thing like things? Uh, I think it's just because we both know like the other person has this knowledge. So obviously, everyone listening to this podcast also has this knowledge that we're just yeah, not speaking exactly. about. <laughs> we're the best podcasters. Yeah, but the, I mean, there's some really, really cool. Oh, sorry, I'm just gonna type this in now. Uh, off uh, the top of my head, the drag, the red dragon one is very, very cool. Where it, uh, it turns everything volcanic, around to like oh. volcanic, and it, it, like the waters nearby, it will become like stagnant and stale, um, kind of like volcanic oh, runoff. They, they get sulfurous, don't they? That's it. Sorry, yeah, they become like sulfurous yeah. pools. Um, with a white dragon, I believe they, um, they'll make like a, their nest high up in a mountain area in a mountainous area and they'll just like freeze absolutely everything and make like really jagged spikes all along the floors mm-hmm. and like they'll they'll like nest in a raised platform to the back of the cave and um, i think they cause like snowstorms in the area around themselves for x amount of miles as well and uh, let's see here now i think there's one for the black dragons i hear ooh, that black dragon is very cool as well they're what's it you get plants grow thick and twisted and swamps are are thick with reeking mud uh, water sources within one mile are fouled, uh, supernaturally fouled. Um, enemies of the dragon that drink such water regurgitate it within minutes. And that can be cool if you're doing have a survival campaign. You're like, yeah. we need to get to the mountain, but we have to make sure we hold on to our supplies because none of the water in that swamp is drinkable uh, before we get to that uh, that dragon. Yeah, that's when uh, And also fog, fog lightly obscures the area. That's black dragons. I think blue dragons are the ones that have a, a kind of persistent storm around the area. Yep. Uh, oh, and dust, dust devils uh, form or, or spawn in the area as well. Uh, thunderstorms rage. Sinkholes are a thing. Green dragons. There's a lot of stuff like this. I, I, but I mean, yeah. this this is how you work them into a story. I mean, it's one thing to have the stat block and be like, this is going to be the fight. This is how you work a dragon into the world. Maybe a town, suddenly all the water in a town is fouled and people are, you know, dehydrating. Or maybe like uh, we used to, maybe this town relied on going into the forest to uh to hunt for for game and stuff like that but all the forests become too thick and overgrown and mm. uh and you can you can no longer actively hunt in, in there and people are, are dying uh I, thickets of labyrinthine passages within one while the dragon's lair so basically uh but uh forests like labyrinthine forests uh form near the green dragon which is really really cool uh yeah, it's really, really, it's really awesome. This is, this is I, I remember when I when I did the first dragon in the previous campaign, there was a, uh, there was uh, a lot of like volcanic activity in what would have, in what would have otherwise not been a volcanic region. Uh, and you guys had like there were streams of lava, and there was a uh, there was like kind of these what you call like geysers, like sulfurous yeah. geysers and stuff like that. Um, yeah. I, I, that's a great way to work them in or to to hint at it it's kind of it, it very much sets up the the scariness of a dragon without actually having to do anything with the with the dragon yeah i had an idea for an arc that i ended up when i was redesigning my map um that i ended up not finding a place for um and i don't think i'm going to use it so i'm just going to talk about it here but i, I, th- I thought it was a, i thought it was a fun way to use a dragon um specifically a green dragon because you know the green dragons they're your tricksters they're they influence people yeah. lie to them and they can as well they can polymorph and and, and change into a human being and look like and like convince people they are human because they're such good liars uh, mm-hmm. so an idea i had was that there was this town and the party would arrive to the town It'd be a very very normal town and they'd have a big spring festival and then when the festival ended there'd be a noticeably fewer amount of people in the town uh, and it would basically come out that the town every spring sacrifice a group of people to this nature spirit 
that lives in the forest and Ooh, and yeah. ensures that everything is uh, and keeps them safe and give and provides for them and makes sure the crops grow and all that. Um, but in reality, it's just a it, it's a green dragon that polymorphs itself and is just convinced to bring him bring its sacrifices. Um, and uh, yeah, and it's just like uh, essentially like extorting the town for sacrifices and gold. Yeah, I think there's a lot. Uh, like I said, I really really like green dragons for that reason because it, it's more than just the the behemoth that comes in and trashes the place and you've got to go and hire some heroes to defend it you can you could play a really cool like political intrigue mm -hmm. kind of campaign with a green dragon being a particular power in the region that you need to either ally with or get rid of or at least stop them from allying with uh with the other guys like that was the thing in the hobbit at least in the movie um where i believe that gandalf and some of the other kind of older people knew the, on the grander scale what was happening with the movements of you know Sauron's forces and stuff yeah the council of and they were, they were, yeah and they, they were concerned that if you know if we don't do something about the dragon he's only going to end up joining Sauron and then we have that to deal with as well yeah um so I thought that that was a uh, and that, that could be really really cool both sides in maybe a, a conflict no there's a dragon up here which one of us is going to walk up there and try to coax it down and what do we have to offer this green dragon that it's willing to fly down into the valley, poison an entire encampment of troops, and then, you know, that is going to potentially win us the war or something like that. Uh, that could be really, really interesting. And uh, my mind is racing right now. <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be a great story for, like, if there's a village that's being attacked by, like, wild folk from the hills. And, like, they're, like, the descendants of, like, the, of a, a particular set of families that, like, lost a, lost a battle because they got a green dragon in. And they were, like, driven yeah. off their land. I'm, uh... Yeah, <coughs> I uh, there's there's a lot to talk about dragons wise. Um, question for you, Ashley Martin, just because yeah. I I have a I have a somewhat um. I have a somewhat like I mentioned how dragons fit into my world. Uh, basically, with with the words, uh, all dragons in my world are basically the spawn of, uh, Veralaxia, who is my Tiamat essentially. Um, uh, but she doesn't look. There's no multiple heads. It's mm. she's more like a a dragon centaur. Is how okay. she appears. Um. That's cool. And thank you. <laughs> uh, and basically, she uh, she tried to invade the material plane at one point and was repelled, and she was mortally wounded on, upon her retreat. And where her blood fell on the land was a a, a place of uh, particularly prominent elemental fire. At this point, the world was still quite new. The elemental forces were still quite uh, prominent and, and ravaging the place. And it's not elemental fire here. So when you had that uh, that uh, devilish blood incorporating with that fire what happened is these giant fire breathing reptiles came up out of the ground and they became the first dragons oh, okay. um and they're from this far off continent that's if, if, if you were to put up the map of this world over my world uh you guys are kind of in europe right now and dragons are from australia oh, okay <laughs> cool. makes sense it, they yeah, would they I, would be so it's, it's it's just yeah where all the most dangerous <laughs> things in the world live australia um so yeah the dragons are kind of from down that very far corner of the world and that's how they fit into my world then is that they're just these these or these constantly aging like they never grow old they will just mm. they can be multiple thousands of years old uh, and they can kind of choose to stay like a goldfish like if you keep a goldfish in a bowl it will stay the same size but if you yeah. put it in a pond it'll grow much bigger because they they like uh i think they do it in game of thrones dragons grow to fit the size do, of their yeah, yeah. environment or whatever um which is really really cool that's why uh we mentioned this before the podcast uh balerion the black dread he had all of westeros as his playground uh which is why he was the biggest dragon to ever exist in that world um 
so I'm just curious how dragons, if you if you have any unique takes on why or how dragons fit into your world. Um, hilariously, the origin you have for dragons is very similar to the origin of um the like reptilian races in my world. Um, I based it off of the myth of um, uh, uh, Perseus and Medusa. So when when Perseus cut off Medusa's head, he um flew back to he flew he flew back to wherever he was um Thebes or something like that. It's been a while, but basically he cut her head off and he was flying back to basically turn the quest in. And um, because he he uh, I think he had Hermes' wing boots. So uh, but as he flew, um drops of blood from Medusa's neck fell, and where it hit the sands, all the snakes in the world were born. Um, where the drops of her blood hit the sand, and I was like, That's ooh. Really cool that would be cool so i was like i took i i literally just copy pasted that into my world but what it is is that uh similarly tiamat um attempted to invade a fresh young world um ripped a big hole in the dimension and tried to get through the gods fought her um and she got wounded bled uh, reptilian races but while that battle was going on dragons were just flying in through the gap in the universe and kind of populating the world and like disappearing and hiding themselves among them and like the gods dealt with Tiamat and put her back in, uh, put her back in her box. Um, but like the dragons were basically just there now. Dragons and the um, because dragons and uh, the reptilian races just were part of the world now. They're it, it was to be like uh, like you want to be lizard folk, dragonborn, grung, yeah. that sort of thing. Uh, I hadn't thought of grung, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now grung are in the world. Uh, I I can't. I, I have a lot of stuff planned for like a lot of those uh, reptilian races. Obviously, like. The campaign we're playing now is very human centric because yeah. um, we're kind of in that area of the world um i have some plans for like way more lizard folk and grung cool. and i forget there's another frog race in there as well uh, oh it is uh, it. I, for some reason i wanted to say lokata but they're like fish people aren't they they're like fish people they might show up as well but i i, I, have, I have full environments where like you'll go to towns that are primarily populated with lizard folk yeah. oh and um, turtles too turtles and turtles um oh and, and kobolds uh yeah, yeah. <laughs> kobolds uh i told you this before kobolds in my world are basically like jawas in star wars where they're they're like little scrappy junk traders and stuff like that uh so because it's like there's this desert on the continent across the sea from you guys um and they all originate from the hills and the mountains and they have burrows up there and stuff and they kind of existed in in smaller tribes um and then uh lizard folk kind of built up what was a fairly decent uh, empire and, and kingdom um, and then Dragonborn came from across the desert from that Australia place, um, <laughs> Van, uh, Van Diemen's land. Yep, yeah. and uh, and they they arrived, and now you have a thing where like uh, lizard folk typically revere dragons in my world. They're like they see them, they they they're like we're kind of dragons, not really, but they they consider themselves to be like well we're kind of you know we're reptiles, we got <laughs> yeah. scales, we got scales. Um, so they kind of see dragons as being godlike beings. So like oh my god, you're like the most majestic creation that has ever walked the earth you have wings and you you breathe elements and all this stuff so lizard folk absolutely adore dragons um and they they love dragonborn as well so if a dragonborn walks to a lizard folk town they're like a celebrity everyone <laughs> loves them they're like oh my god look like oh, i wish i wish i could be as dragon as you are you know uh, it's such a big deal for them and then kobolds are kind of like this is like a hierarchy it goes like dragonborn lizard folk probably grung and then kobolds like no one likes the kobolds they're kind of like they're, they're just like the jawas that people don't really take too seriously and stuff like that but then they're like really good uh scavengers and some of them have little crafting guilds where they'll pull together a bunch of random bits and cobble together like uh we met um basically got this... Sidcher, um when we were going down to um yeah 
uh, oh my god I, I just i know i just went through like four city names from my own campaign in my head jesus christ <laughs> i was like go yeah. no 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 wrong 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 and then like i could it's like i could see an assembly line of names and like three ahead of the one i was about to say was the right one uh yeah they uh, yeah, yeah uh was it sid sid was the name i believe uh, I, uh, I believe it was sid yeah and he's if he sounds and looks like your man from final fantasy in my head again uh, well, uh, for me, he yeah, he, he's you know he's not terribly far off. Uh, he, I, I based him kind of Rocket Raccoon esque, which I I just, I just love that character. Um, but I I originally designed him to be like uh like an artillerist artificer. Um, in that because I pictured that, well, what, what I always picture is the start of the Force Awakens, where Rey is in the uh the star destroyer that's crashing into the desert mm-hmm. and she's just scavenging parts from the star destroyer and i imagine that he cobbled because it used to be this huge hobgoblin empire and they were big magic users and stuff like that but it's all collapsed now kind of like the Mon- uh, mongolian empire um but they have towns and, and settlements and all the stuff that's left behind and full of treasure so the kobolds tend to scavenge through all that and i picture a scene like that where he's scavenging stuff and he cobbles it together and he made this like magic hand crossbow but it's 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 like four or five other pieces of other magic items that have nothing to do with the enchantment he's trying to do, and he's kind of like, oh, here's a piece of metal with an enchantment inscribed on it. It doesn't at all do what I want it to. But maybe if I just kind of like bend it and then piece it together with this thing, <laughs> I can kind of get the enchantment I'm looking for. Um, Kit bashing magic. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, he's he's just he's absolutely just like flinging together any bits of magic he can and trying to bend or twist them in such a way that oh if i if i if i scribble out this particular rune here and then i attach this other piece at a right angle like this uh maybe that will get the enchantment i want and then he has this magic crossbow that uh that allows him to do all that kind of stuff that's pretty cool i like that a lot he, he was yeah. a fun character too uh he'll be making a, he'll be making a reappearance you guys yeah, i believe we, if i'm not mistaken yeah. you guys told him to wait yeah. you on the surface so I, b- I believe yeah. Aerith hired him <laughs> Well, Aerith found out that he's like a gunsmith, and he and Aerith's like, "Oh, I just found a revolver, and I'd very much like to start using this." Thank you. <laughs> Jeez, this week when he came out of the fucking room in his jocks with a pistol, like junkie Wyatt Earp, I nearly fucking shit myself. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> and uh, then clean blew some dude's head off. <laughs> yeah, I just like just pulled the pistol out of his ass crack and shot a dude in the face. <laughs> it was what was that movie he had me watch recently? Uh, uh, rock and roll rock and roll it was so rock and roll yeah. which is very much where i think gavin gets a lot of the inspiration for Aerith as a character he's i almost said if guy Ritchie directed a fantasy film but he did and it was king arthur legend of the sword and it was shit which one who was in that uh that's the one where your man charlie Hunnaman is um king arthur is this the one where the sword will hit people and, and like knock them 40 feet back because it's like a force sword or i have no idea connor i saw a trailer for it and went wow that looks like dog shit I, I I I'm pretty sure I know the one you're talking about, and it it's got that weird thing. I think where... Idris Elba is in it as well. Possibly, it's got that weird thing where it looks like um. I mean, it would be because Idris Elba's worked with uh worked with him before, so you know he, he probably would have hired him on for other projects of his. Um, but uh, oh, what's it? it? It's it's got this weird kind of look to it where it's like it's very obviously meant to be medieval mm-hmm. but then there's stuff they're doing that's like kind of it's it's very D because it's like D tends to take modern things and implement to implement them into a D or a, a fantasy medieval world um mm-hmm. did you ever see the one with uh 
I'm blanking. It's a Robin Hood film. Uh, it's man. Russell Crowe's one. No, no, it's it's a newer one than that. It's the one with your man from Kingsman. Uh oh, um, he's got a really weird name. Uh, well, not weird, but just, it's unusual. Um, it, it's uh, it's oh, uh, uh Egerton Tar uh, something Eger- Tar Taron Egerton or something. Like uh, Taron 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 Egerton. Yes, he's in a in a movie, and it's a Robin Hood movie. I think it's just called Hood. Of course um, it is. Of course. It is. It is. <laughs> but it's like it's I don't know what I told Robin Hood. It's it's 2018 movie Robin Hood. It is it's so weird because again, they don't talk like they're in a medieval time. They talk like modern people mm-hmm. and things look kind of medieval, but also they don't at all look medieval. Um oh, here, here's my best example of this, right? It's really, really cool. It's cool again for a D and D campaign, <laughs> but if you're trying to do like a Robin Hood film, it, yeah. it's hit or miss. Um, at this, they kind of play it off like him, like Robin Hood lived. Uh, Robin of Loxley lived in in England, and then he went off to fight in the Crusades. And the Crusades are kind of framed like they're the the war in the Middle East, like the war on terror in the Middle East, pretty much. And then he's part of a squad. And they're all, even though they're going in tight corridors and, and stuff like that, they're all carrying bows, but they're using them like they're proper modern day soldiers. Oh my god, they're, they're doing like them. tactical shooting. Oh, fuck off. They, no, <laughs> so they're all in the squad. And like, uh, and like the opening scene of the movie. Sorry, like how, do, kind of how, how do you ta- like. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But like, they're doing the thing where they're like signaling I've, each other. I, I have a question. Not- I have a question. Can I just stop your question? It's an important yeah. question that will seal. <laughs> that will, will seal exactly how shit a movie I think this is. When they're going around shooting, when they're going doing their tactical clears at the bow, does one guy hold the bow sidewards like that? I, I, I'm, I, do you know what? In a movie where bows play such a prominent role, I'm almost certain at some point it happens. A bow is um, not a gun, and you shouldn't hold a gun sidewards either. Yeah. Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, so there was there was uh, stuff. So yeah, that whole movie is like yeah. that. Like that opening scene, they do that. It's all the, they're acting like modern day soldiers in like the Iraq War or something like that. And then um, they someone up in a tower is on a ballista, but don't ask me why. It's like some sort of machine ballista, <laughs> and they like literally come like under fire. But again, they act like modern soldiers and like take cover, and they duck in behind, and you see these arrows coming, these ballista bolts going down into the area. Um, and even when they're going around corners, they do it like there's someone with a rifle, like turning the corner and checking their corners and stuff like that. But they have bows instead. It's it's really bizarre. But again, it's a modern, uh, like a God. modern take on a historic thing. It's so weird. It's See, so weird. But I forget why I'm talking about this. Why am I talking about this? I can't oh, remember. Uh, we, we were talking about Aerith, <laughs> and we were talking about yeah, him being a Guy Ritchie character. Guy Ritchie, and then uh, the the yeah. movie he did with Charlie Hunnam. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, yeah, and actually, oh, yeah, that that, that's a King Arthur movie where King Arthur sounds like he was in fucking Trainspotting or something. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's fucking that's Guy Ritchie's whole mo is like how many how many heroin addicts can I stick into a movie? Like, did Guy um, Ritchie do Trainspotting? I don't I actually. I, don't I, I? I don't think he did. But I'm I don't not think sure. he did. But I mean, at that I wouldn't be surprised if he did either. It's very much his. No, Guy Ritchie is like snatch. No, lock, Danny Boyle. Stock. Ah, yeah, yeah, Danny. I like Danny Boyle a lot. But like you know, Guy yeah. Ritchie is like lock, stock, snatch, um, fucking yeah. real rock, rock and roller. Did he do layer cake as well? I think. 
uh, <laughs> to IMDb, Connor. Now. IMDb. Uh, what's, your, what's, his, what's what's the name of the movie? Layer Cake. Yeah, it's L four Y E R Cake. I think. Uh, oh, here we go. Uh, he no, did not. Oh, okay. So that's Matthew Vaughn. I think that's like just another like if you did it, he he's like very much the London geezer gangster film. Yeah, oh yeah, like all his stuff is, is like yeah, London, like small time, something small time, something's bigger, uh, like London, uh, Cockney crime stuff. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Nothing wrong with it. I, I I thought Rock and Roller was a pretty okay movie. So if we're talking uh, about movies, uh, I think to round it out because it's actually it's probably actually relevant. If you're looking for a bit of inspiration for dragons and what the world would look like if like dragons just absolutely fucked everything up, Rain of Fire. I I feel like I know this one and it's it's the one where Matthew McConaughey is an American <laughs> Matthew McConaughey is an American Marine at the end of the world who wants to fight a dragon with a battle axe. Why Matthew McConaughey? That's that's my only question about that. Why Matthew uh, McConaughey? It's, it's actually a pretty solid movie. Basically, they're they're mining in Wales at, at the end of the 20th century, and they find oh, dragons underground. And they, they basically open a cave, yeah. and the cave is full. I've seen scenes from yeah. this. It, the, it's it's got a good cast as well. Like Christian Bale is the main is the protagonist. Like Christian Bale is in it. Jared Butler's in it. Yeah, yeah. It's a solid. It's a it's a solid film. This it's, looks terrible i can't wait to watch it you haven't you haven't seen rain of fire oh my god connor right for ev- for connor and everyone listening this is he pod- looks weird this is this is important connor podcast homework watch rain of fire <laughs> <laughs> oh my god it's this looks it's it's dark diabolical. it's actually really good uh it, well not really it's good and um you will see they have it came out in like the early 2000s and the dragons look phenomenal the dragons look amazing and a lot of the work that they did with the dragons is what was the foundation of what the dragons from in game of thrones were actually made for um interesting and the cool thing they did was they made a dragon they made a dragon look more like a wasp they like lowered its chest and uh i'm sorry they like yeah they raised its chest and lowered its head and tail down because that's the way like a wasp flies through the air to make yeah, it look yeah. more aggressive and it, it works like in there you could very much see it but like that's a really really cool reference for like what could a world be like if dragons just took over like london is mm. a dr- is just a nest of dragons like literally. i feel like people uh people exhausted the font of um various world ending things and they're like okay we've done zombies we've done <laughs> we've done apes what else we got uh dragons yeah okay okay let's do a end of the world apocalypse movie with dragons why not <laughs> uh yeah but good movie though I will. I will add it to the list of uh, the, my, the, the top of, of the list, Connor. Long. The top of the list. <laughs> <laughs> but Martin, yes, Connor. That's all the time we have today. Woo! Um, that was a fun podcast. We went off the rails a lot, but dragons are really. We, that that right. was probably one of our, our least focused uh, episodes we've done in maybe ever. Um, maybe yes, ever, yeah. We we did talk about uh, dragons an awful lot, and I do as much as I give dragons. I, like I do give dragons a little bit of shit just because they're being, they're a little bit samey and stuff like that. But again, man, nothing nothing beats that moment of uh, of dropping a dragon in on your party. The beaten wings, the the flames, or whatever breath and the yeah. claws, the teeth. What's it? My uh, my my teeth are swords. My claws are spears, or something like that for smog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean they. Yeah, actually, whenever I should mention their frightful presence as well, yes, which is something built into them, which is that not only are players typically 
like mind blown when a dragon <laughs> enters the room. Also, mechanically, their characters' minds are blown because they have a frightful presence ability. So yeah, because yeah, something the size of a house now wants to take something from you. Your life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I, uh, I think it was a good episode. Yeah, it was. A, that was a lot of fun. So, uh, Connor, where can people find you on the internet? People can find me on Twitter at zero point Connor Z E R O P O I N T C O N O R one N. Very important. And also here on the Mike Flares podcast every Friday at 6 p.m. Irish time. Also, you can find us on Spotify as well uh, at the same re- uh, same release time. Indeed. Um, you can find me um, here as well on the Mike Flares podcast every Friday. Um, I'm also on Twitter at So Sorry It's Over, which is boom, right down there in the bottom right-hand corner. You can find the podcast on Twitter at Mike Flares Pod, which is also down further in the right-hand corner, along with actually our links for um, YouTube and Spotify. Uh, we also have a Facebook page now, if you want to look for us on Facebook. We have a Mike Flares Podcast on Facebook. Um, so the give kids us... don't use Facebook anymore, man. I know, but come on. <laughs> <laughs> and, Sorry, uh, go on. No, it's great. I, I, I've entirely forgot the rest of what I wanted to say now, so that's cool. But yeah, um, you uh, Twitter and the Mike Flares podcast are my primary places on the internet. Um, cool. All right, so it's a uh, goodbye from me and a goodbye from Connor. Later, folks. And we will see you next time on the Mike Flares podcast. Bye-bye.